Hey there, welcome to ATL on 29 of Peachtree Hoops podcast. We look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Tuesday night between a loss to the Cavaliers and an upcoming game with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, the return of Kevin Herter. Uh, Glenn, what, what did you think of, uh, I guess we could start with that Cavs game. What did you think about the Cavs game? It was not a, I mean, so mixed feelings, I guess, which is kind of what comes with a loss, I suppose. But, um, you know, for me, I continue to be impressed and think their best trait as a team is that they, when things aren't going well, they stick with it. And that's just not something we've saw a lot. Uh, last year and you know, maybe seasons before that. Um, so I continue to like that. Um, but it's I thought it was their worst defensive performance in a while. Um, now they didn't have DeAndre Hunter, so uh, that was tough. Um, you know, I I commented on Twitter before the game that going up against that backcourt for AJ Griffin's first career starts, tough draw there. Uh, you know, but they also just kind of were a little bit a little more disorganized than they have been in a while they kind of got into a zone uh and i mean cleveland was smart and attacked the middle of the zone um and and the hawks just didn't stay structured you know in their zone then they got back out of the zone and so so they they were just kind of i felt like they were kind of recalibrating their defense to try to find something that would work the whole game didn't help that the cavaliers probably probably one of their you know best shooting performances uh of the season uh there uh so it's one of those it's one of those games where it's like okay the, a lot of the defensive habits that have served them well through this solid stretch you know over the last few weeks weren't visible there and you know how much of that was you know just a bad night which happens in, on the grind of the NBA season how much of that was hunter not being there and everyone kind of shuffling up one spot on the wing how much of that was the fact they had they had a hard time making shots on their side, which prevents you from setting your defense the way you want to. So just a messy game, sloppy game, um, and, and not what I've come to expect to kind of see from them. And yet, despite all that, you know, they kind of pushing back into the game every time they're cleaning get a little separation, pushing back, pushing back. And then at the end, the uh, the the weird um, uh, um, call there with a couple minutes, two and a half minutes to go, um, it was kind of the name, the death, the death nail, I guess. So that's that's kind of my my long winded summary there. Yeah, there was a play at the end of Kings Grizzlies tonight, and it was a very similar play. And I was like, clear path foul, clear path foul. It's like <laughs> not really a clear path foul, but if if you call him one, then that that would be the same call. Um, Have you ever seen a guy foul the front of the player and get the ball? And, and get called for clear, like, and and then I the way I mean I, the way I watch it seemed like Zach Zarbo was waiting on the replay center to tell him what the review outcome was. I don't I I don't see, see Zach Zarbo making that call in that scenario. I think he was waiting on the replay center to there. There's some calls that are made by the replay center. And there's some that aren't. I think that's one right. that's made in the replay center. I could see that. Yeah, I was. It was very hard. You said you were more disappointed in the the defense, and I was, in a weird way, I think I was more disappointed with the offense. Because defensively, like that that was a terrible matchup for AJ Griffin. Because like 
there's no way to hide Trey and AJ simultaneously. One of them is going to be guarding somebody who's way too good with the ball in their hands. Uh, and so all night long, it just felt like they were getting too easy. Uh, they were getting too easily into the middle of the floor for whatever they wanted, dribble penetration and whatnot. And at the same time, they shot lights out. Like they didn't miss many shots. It was a bizarrely low number of possessions because the Hawks turned them over a lot. Like that was, that was one of the bright spots I thought for the Hawks is at least that they were, they had active hands, especially in the paint and they were alert to when there was a loose ball to go get. And they, they you know, they were constantly turning Cleveland over, uh, but then Cleveland just didn't miss shots. And part of that was because dribble penetration <laughs> was a breeze. Like they just got to their spots. Like, and it's hard. Like I, I love that backcourt of, of Garland and uh, Donovan yeah. Mitchell. That's you could see that when they're, when they're on, like they're really on and it's, it's, it's hard to stop them, but. I don't know. There was something about the offense. Like, first of all, it was like Cleveland was very attentive to trying to help at the rim. And to do that, they just ignored the fours. Like they were going to let Collins and Jalen Johnson take whatever outside side shots they wanted to take. Like they were just not paying attention to them out there and they were hitting and, you know, it didn't seem like they got those same kind of looks in the second half. I'm sure they were still there. It just felt like the second half in particular, Trey and DeJounte both were over dribbling. Like there were times they needed to just get off the ball because they had one player that was guarding them and there was, a, you know, somebody helping or digging to get in and show them a second body. And, and Trey and DeJounte both just kept trying to get through. And it's like, just make the easy pass. It's right there. And they, <laughs> they didn't. And as a result, the Hawks had almost as many turnovers as the Cavaliers. Like defensively, if you, I think it was 20 that Cleveland have. And it's like, if you forced 20 turnovers, you did your job. Uh, mm-hmm. But they gave them 17 right back doing that. <laughs> and it's like that, that, that felt like, part at least a big part to me of why they lost is that they were just over dribbling instead of making the simple play especially in the second half yeah i mean agreed i and i mean cleveland was so good at keeping the hawks out of the middle and forcing everything wide um they were letting DeJounte get to his shots it was so strange he missed because he loves the left side of the floor he shot a million shots on that side of the floor that night and, and missed you know all of them uh, it's, it felt like, you know, those sorts of things. And then, yeah. and then Trey just couldn't kind of keep uh, an, an angle and a distance measured um, the separation that they keep between the ball handler and the big man to, trying to dive to the rim and the pick and roll. Is, I mean, Cleveland does that as well as anybody else in the league. And then you saw little strange things like the Hawks having two on the offensive glass. Cleveland's the best defensive rebounding team in the league, and they give up the I think third fewest uh, opponent second chance points. That showed up on the Hawks side of the stat sheet. Hawks were one for 10 on putback shots, uh, which is super weird uh, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, Cleveland is a unique team with kind of how much length they have at the four and the five and, and mobility. And then the scheme that they play where they really prioritize keeping out of the middle and then keeping the big man off the rim. And that's all stuff the Hawks want to do. You know, and, and so they kept pushing Trey and DeJounte into wider and wider and wider angles. DeJounte normally prefers to kind of start wider. Um, but even then, even then they were pushing him further to the closer to the baseline than he even he, you know, prefers to be. So 
you know, when you watched, to your point, the Hawks starting Trey and AJ together, and then kind of saw how the rotation manifested. I mean, the biggest difference in the game to me, you know, you could talk about DeJounte shooting performance being an outlier. You could talk about the turnover situation, et cetera. The Hawks didn't have their best habits. Cleveland, they were getting to their spots on offense, and, the, and Cleveland was preventing the Hawks from getting their spots on offense. And that really made me feel surprised when the Hawks kept staying in contact, you know, somehow finding a way. And I guess that was the turnovers that they were forcing uh, by, you know, being good in some phases on defense and things like that. But, I mean, I mean, Donovan Mitchell was getting to all his favorite stuff in that game. And Garland kind of takes – Garland is more the type he takes what you give him. And he's so uh, comfortable and good kind of taking what the defense gives him. But Donovan's like, I'm going there, and you're not going to keep him getting there. That You know, I, I put one play out on Twitter today where he had uh, Aaron Holiday kind of on his right – and two two help defenders were in front of Donovan Mitchell, and he was like, "I'm going to move Aaron Holiday off my right hip, jab, uh, like to the back, or a fake outside pivot, then an inside pivot." Finally, got Aaron Holiday out of the way, and he went right around to the right, to the right where Donovan likes to go to the right, and he just like he's like, "I'm moving you one way or the other. I have to try three, four, five, you know, techniques to do it." Um, so you know, and, and for me, it's like. That's set out for, for what the Hawks have been doing since, for me, since the second half of the next game, or we could say since the Pelicans game, where they've been consistent with habits on defense. That was that just didn't show up. I don't like I said. I don't know how, how much that is trying to deal with starting Trey and AJ together, you know. And hopefully, all the Hawks fans that have been saying start AJ, start AJ, start AJ might want, look at this game and say, okay, maybe we're not quite there yet, <laughs> quite there yet. Um, even though it was AJ. Showed some flashes of a few, a few kind of good possessions, you know, too. So I think AJ's going to get there. But hopefully this is one you just kind of throw out the window and say this bad day at the office. Move on, you know, hopefully. And uh, but it also makes you look back and be like, thank goodness they uh, they won that Raptors, found a way to win that Raptors game because, uh, you know, that, that kind of gave them a little a little cushion in the standings for where they want to be right now. And, um, you know, still, I think they're playing well overall, especially when they have everybody healthy. Let's, let's see the next game if they get back to those uh, defensive habits that have been serving them so well uh, and see if this past week past one was just an, an aberration that was tied to the the, uh, the rotation kind of getting out of sync because of Hunter's absence. Yeah, to, to add one more thing about the AJ thing, a, 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 you know, AJ on, on defense specifically, you know, it's a tough matchup, but like overall, you know, one thing I want to kind of track in coming weeks as as AJ gets more and more minutes is I'd like to see him more or, or what he does more when he's guarding some uh, bigger offensive players. It felt like, you know, against Cleveland with Garland and Mitchell, especially, you know, he's he's trying to press up and eliminate the space between him and them. But they're just kind of getting low angles, almost underneath him, to t- to turn a corner. And I, I want to see what what happens. You know, if he's just got somebody a little bit bigger, uh, a little taller, maybe a little slower, and not able to sort of get underneath him as much. If if he can do a better job staying in front of people, because that that yeah, seems like be- almost an unfair matchup. Yeah, it it for sure was. 
as I think as tough as it gets, you know, in the Eastern Conference specifically, right? Right. And I, for some reason, Donovan Mitchell is a divisive player. Donovan Mitchell is really good. And um, and I, I like to poke a little bit of fun at him now and then. Like my, my brother was at the game in Philadelphia a few years ago where he had 31 shot attempts and no assists. That's that's funny. You know, it's kind of – it's you can have fun with that, I, sh- I should say, you know. But I mean, Donovan has the, the whole bag. I mean, he, he knows how to move defenders. He knows how to attack defenders. And he – I mean, he has like – a measurable craft. He has so many different things he can kind of go to. And when you're a rookie trying to deal with that in space, that's hard. It's super, it's really hard. And, and Donovan throws about as much at the defender right in front of him, him as any guy playing the league in terms of like all the different kind of techniques he uses to move the defender, attack the defender, get the defender on the wrong foot and go and those sorts of things. So yeah, for sure. And then, you know, Garland is just kind of like he Garland needs uh, a quarter of an inch space to get a shot off. He's so efficient, at, you know, kind of getting that off where he's not really moving a guy. He's just trying to kind of lull you into kind of letting him have the space he needs to kind of create what he's looking to create. So that's that's a different kind of tough. So yeah, I, I don't I don't want to score any points. You know, I've been saying for a while, AJ and Jalen really struggled to defend in space, you know, ball handlers in space. And that's the one thing that's going to need to really, really to be able to kind of get a whole lot of minutes, you know, more minutes, kind of grow their minutes and things like that. I, I'm not taking any victory lap at all because, like I said, I even put up a few plays on Twitter but where AJ did pretty good work, you know, defensively. And I think those flashes are encouraging to, to me that he's going to make progress and, and get there um, and, and stuff. So, you know, we'll, you know, We'll we'll see, but that's a you know that kind of backcourt is a tough cover uh, for the Hawks, especially when they're they're missing Hunter. Yeah, the other thing that was that was disappointing, uh, if if you're a Hawks fan, I think was just it kind of goes in line with some of the other things that you were saying in terms of crashing the offensive glass with two bodies and such. But it just felt like okay. You, you know going into a matchup with the Cavaliers that, you know, unless something is really off, Mitchell and Garland are going to get their points. But it just felt like the points that Osmond got were too easy. Like he was getting yeah. way too much in transition. And I, I think that let him get into, you know, much more of a rhythm than he should ordinarily be expected to get into. I mean, he's a talented offensive player, but he got far too many points far easily because so much of it was just, you know, attacking before the Hawks were really set. Yeah, and there was a, there was one play where he was kind of in the quasi transition, and Jalen let him get all the way below the free throw line before Jalen really tried to ball up, and that was a, a bad decision. Uh, but also, Hawks lost cutters on the baseline and lost guys in the dunker spot. It felt like about six, yeah. roughly about six times, or easy, easy, easy buckets. Um, and that's just been kind of kind of uncharacteristic um, uh, for them. But they're going to play the team twice more. And one thing I like to watch is okay, the next time they play, what do the Hawks bring a little differently, you know, defensively uh, to that, um, and c- kind of see how that kind of see how it goes. Like if Hunter were playing in that game, what would the matchups have been from the beginning of the game with Hunter? Would he have been on either Garland or Mitchell? You know, I would, I would think that's probably the case. You know, you probably get him on to probably the Mitchell. And Dejounte onto Garland and Trey off onto Stevens with according to the you know, starting kind of court last night. So it, it'll be fascinating to see how they try to account for that the next time they play. 
Do you have any uh, leftover thoughts from the Raptors game? We haven't uh, really podcasted since then. That was one where they stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. Um, it, It's I was uh, watching that game on my phone on an airplane, paid eight dollars for the Wi-Fi, and it on on Alaskan Airlines. I had to change my flight at the last minute. Ended up first time in my life on Alaskan Airlines, and it said streaming. I was like eight dollars on a four and a half hour flight. And yeah, I watched that whole game on my phone sitting on the airplane for eight dollars. It was a crazy experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, just they almost lost the contact at the edge and they kind of raced back in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, that the overtime, you know, situation actually having a plan for that short clock, you know, kind of situation. It's like this team just shows more indication. That they're prepared for kind of special situations than they than they really have been previously, you know. And I mean, this is Nate's second full year here, you know. I, I think Nate struggled with the kind of roster they had last year, so maybe Nate's bringing a little bit more of you know kind of his vision because he has a roster that can implement his vision more so than last year. But um, you know, I mean, after the what 150 turnovers they had up in Toronto, <laughs> the last time that they played. Trey had a phenomenal game, and, and despite Scotty being on him for most of the game and OG being on him a good bit, he dealt with that really, really well. Um, I thought that was the first game where DeJounte just kind of just played off ball the whole time Trey was on the court with him, and I thought that helped Trey get his rhythm going. So, you know, I thought of the, I thought that was no – I think it was, I thought that was a nice win. You know, it was things kind of – the game almost slipped away about three times, and they just kept working and kept working and kept working um, and then found a way to – Kind of make that play uh, stick at the end. I, it's funny. I've wa- I wa- I rewatched that game winning possession a few times, and it's like I was most impressed with AJ running straight to the spot where he was supposed to start that possession because you know he's a rookie. I'm like, if someone's going to mess that up and not execute the timing of that short clock, that's going to be AJ. But he went right to where he was supposed to go. So that I mean, that was a. I think that's that play was the most fun moment of the season so far for the Hawks. I think. Um. But in just a fun, a fun way to kind of get a win and and, and lift your spirits. So, um, yeah, and I, th- I thought their defense was really good. Uh, you know, for for, uh, for most of that game, a lot of a lot of good help, a lot of good prioritizing the paint and things like that. So that that's the that's the defense they need to continue demonstrating to continue, um, you know, competing upward in the Eastern Conference standing to me. On that final play, Coloco is the one that got kind of toasted, right? Yeah, I mean, like Clint took somebody else him. out, and Coloco was kind of the one who had free reign to do something. But Trey just had a head of steam, and he he reacted too late. That's what it seemed like to me. But here's here's the thing: when that when they took the ball out, I'll tell you what I was expecting. I want to see if that's what you were expecting, and then we can talk about whether we think that's what the wrap. I think I, I'm like Trey's just going to try to get. A sh- Try to get the ball as far up court he can and get a shot up. And I expected absolutely nothing else. And and I thought that's what the Raptors were responding to. Also, you know, Trey's going to try to make a play here. Trey's Trey's going to try to get a shot up. Lo and behold, the Hawks have a, a completely you know rehearsed plan. Were you expecting Trey to just kind of make a play there, or or something else? I mean. 
even if that's kind of what happens, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I was expected. I mean, that's kind of what took place anyways. I mean, they, they got Trey into space with a head of steam. So like, uh, you know, in, in most situations, I think you, what you're going to see is, is Trey and AJ down there in some sort of two on two defense. But like, if, if I'm somebody who's, nominally lined up with Clint in that situation. I'm I'm not really expecting Clint to be the one to do a whole lot other than maybe be a screener. So, you know, I'm just, if, I, if I'm guarding Clint, I'm just trying to make sure that whenever he sets that screen or whatnot, that I'm, I'm prepared to cover what comes next after that screen. Yeah. I, I yeah, I was just shocked. I, I thought Trey's going to get a shot up and maybe I should have, Expected a little bit more, but you know, I, I thought they were like, "Oh, let, let's let's just react to Trey here. We'll be good if we don't I, just." React I mean, to I, Trey I, here. I think if Coloco reacts any differently, and then OG can take a step back, then that it might just be Trey firing a shot there. You know, if AJ isn't wide open, that that probably is a Trey shot. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I but know. you know, Coloco's a rookie. It was a great pass. That, that, like that, just... that was a lot for on the his on that side. That was a lot for a rookie on the other sure. side to be the guy the guy in the back. You know. Yep. So. Uh, the pass was incredible though. Like if he does any yeah. other kind of pass, I think time just expires. Like if he sets him up for, you know, three feet to to the left, or if he tries to put it directly up up near where the rim is, like any other kind of shot release. I think might be too slow for AJ to even get that shot off. He, I think he got it off with like 0.3 on the clock or something. Yep. That that pass yeah, had and to be AJ so used precise. the backboard too. What's that? AJ using the backboard let him get it up a little quick more quickly too, rather than try to navigate right. the rim. I thought. Yeah. So I mean, it looks you know on any play where the the clock isn't involved, it's it's a pretty trivial pass. But in that situation with just no time left. To get it that precise, I thought was was really key. Um, yeah, g- going back to what I wanted to ask you about the thing that you brought up a minute ago, which is that you know in that Raptors game, it felt like uh, Dejounte was sort of seeding the possessions to Trey. That Trey was just playing on the ball and Dejounte off it when they were both out there. Is was that a one game thing? Do you, do you did you feel like that spilled over at all into the Cleveland game? Yeah, I mean, it looked like it did spill over a little bit to me. And I was curious the whole time DeJounte was struggling. Was was that because in the Toronto game, he really wasn't uh, creating his own shot or, you know, at least being the, the primary focus on, on offensive initiation and such. So, I, you know, it, it seems like this, it's possible that that was the case. Um, but I, I still think if I kind of were to try to characterize the way the trade DeJounte pairing has gone so far is they gave each other a lot of room, you know, the first, I don't know, 12 games or so, whatever that was. And then they kind of got a little bit of rhythm kind of, uh, you know, after that, even though Trey's, you know, numbers still haven't totally recovered and things like that. And then I thought in that Toronto game, I thought, I don't know if that was from before the game, they decided they were going to do that or Trey just kind of was feeling it early. And then DeJounte just gave him space. I, I still think they're kind of still feeling that, you know, feeling a lot of this out, you know, um, and, and I wonder, you know, how long that's, that's going to take and um, it, you know, what else they might be able to do to kind of, kind of make that happen or if they just need to keep, just keep working at it, you know, which that's, that's like, I don't know. I feel like in sports, basketball, especially 90% of the time, the solution is just keep working at it. 
you know, not necessarily have some X's and O's, you know, solution and, and things like that. But they're both wonderfully instinctive players and, you know, gifted at uh, kind of taking advantage of um, situations and reading the floor and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I think they'll get there, but I think it's still kind of a, a work in progress. But I, I, I just think, you know, as far as I can tell, you know, being you're you're closer to it than I am, getting to be present for some things that I, I can't, you know, kind of be where I am, and, and with the role that you have, and which is a little different than mine. But they just look like they're being really good teammates to one another, and giving each other space, and trying to empower the other, and not force the other to kind of fit into what the other, you know, kind of wants to do all the time on offense. And I, and I think I believe, you know, my kind of my life belief is. I think when you have good intent and are kind of looking to um, um, not be self-centered in your approach, I think good things tend to come. And sometimes it takes time, but yeah, and I, I think that'll be the case. I think the second half of the season, we're going to see um, a little bit more uh, natural kind of um, flow and, and rhythm from the duo, as opposed to kind of where it's felt like taking turns a little bit to this, to this point in the season so far. Somebody asked Nate something before the game yesterday, and he just said something like, you know, it's it's just four great guards when he was talking about Mitchell, Garland, Trey, and DeJounte. Uh, did you see anything from Cleveland sort of X's and O's wise where you thought, well, that, that, that's something interesting that Cleveland's doing. It, you know, if, if you were like an opposing coach watching Cleveland, would, was there anything that you wanted to steal for Trey and DeJounte? Yeah, I mean, so I, mean, I know this is going to sound like I'm being critical on Trey, but I mean, Donovan's ability, Donovan and Garland, their ability to quickly relocate, like like anytime Garland drew even for a second, a second defender, whether it was show coverage or they're doing some something close to kind of doubling second half, they were kind of doubling Garland. Um, and, and but, but Mitchell would quickly find the soft spot. Uh, in the floor, in the floor on the perimeter, and just relocate, become a shooter, become a catch and shoot guy. And I think we see some of that sometimes with Dejounte, uh, but not nearly as much. Like when when Mitchell is attacking and he's a extra defenders, Garland would look for the spot to grunt, sprint to. Okay, here's my spot. If the ball swings to me, I have a wide open three, or I have a seam to attack here. And so, just for me, it was not necessarily an X and O's thing that a, that a coach was doing. Now, maybe this is something they really work on. And the coaching staff helps them put this together. But it's that okay. Once if I'm Donovan Mitchell, once Garland gets all the extension, I'm going to relocate. I'm going to take a, accountability for relocating myself and finding the right spot to relocate to, and then make myself available right away, so we can reverse the ball and get a great shot here. That's something I would say I saw Garland Mitchell doing that we don't really see Trey and, and Dejounte doing. I have two questions for you, and they they both kind of revolve around AJ uh, because you know in that Raptors game, and and really all the games, you know, because we're we're just really getting the chance to see what he can do with a increased role, increased usage, uh, more more key situations. But I thought in that overtime session. And really throughout the Raptors game, he just showed a tremendous amount of craft, like his footwork, uh, you know, his, his timing for when he just needs to take that little floater, you know, how he spaces it out and gets gets to his spots. You know, some of his 
his post moves, uh, you know, the footwork where he plays with the back basket, but, you know, he's just kind of working over one shoulder or the other and just does it very, very steadily. And you know, there's a play in the overtime where you know, he had two defenders, essentially one on either side, and he just kind of split them by going behind his back and then back through the front through his legs to get between two defenders. It's like that that's a lot. And so my first question is, you know, we we've seen a lot of lineups with with Gallo and Herter in the last couple of years. So one is 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 it possible if if we get to you know a situation later in the season where, you know, the Hawks are behind by 8 with 4 minutes left or something like that. How viable is it to to play lineups that have AJ at the three and Hunter at the four when you, when you're sort of trying to juice the offense late. And then the second question is, you know, we've seen Bogey doing some stuff in practice now where it's not just shooting. Like he's he's clearly closer unless there's some sort of setback. He's closer to a return. What's the rotation going to look like if you have both Bogey and AJ coming off the bench? Like how do you make that? Uh, work given whatever they're going to contribute on the defensive end. Yeah. I mean, so that all comes down to, to me, that last question comes all fully down to how much Nate feels like he needs to continue making room in the rotation for each of the holidays. Right. Um, there, I mean, if Bogey comes back and Aaron and Justin are not the priority, AJ's the priority and obviously Bogey, a natural priority. Right. Then I think there's plenty of time for both of them. And and Bo- and Bogey is, I, I I think you and I probably see the same way, has uh, enough kind of point guard skill to him that he can really help whether he's on with Trey or Dejounte, kind of help you know kind of carry that. And then um, with that, I think AJ is showing me a lot more dribble craft and create self creation craft than I thought what we'd ever see this year. That one play you described was like him like really showing like like a fairly elite kind of craft, you know, you know, there. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't know he had that, you know, I, I wouldn't have surprised me that he's working on a lot of the, this craft, but, you know, I think I see that as something like, Oh, a year or two down the line, we're going to kind of see and bring fully the bear kind of, you know, what, what that might be to, for him to hit on that and crunch time <laughs> close game was just crazy, you know? Um, but, but for me, I think, when they're trying to play from behind AJ plus DeAndre makes a lot of sense. Uh, the question for me is, is JC at the five in that lineup or is it a Kongwu or is it Clint? It, it I don't think it can on... be a Kongwu. Like I don't, I don't think that lineup can get a rebound if, it, yeah. if it's a Kongwu. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. Um, and, and maybe if you're really trying to get a lot of shooting, maybe next year Kongwu is that kind of, that kind of a, you know, he's, I mean, he's showing some good shooting up to like 18 feet or whatever yeah. it is right now. Really, really yep. good. Um, But, you know, the, the other side is that JC has been so good defensively at the four, that weak side helper, uh, help at the rim, jumping into the paint when Clint, maybe Clint gets kind of moved out on the perimeter, becoming that presence inside. And, and I feel like even if you went AJ, DeAndre, JC, that, um, you'd be giving up so much on defense, you know, there, uh, especially if it's a, a opposing team has a big physical kind of front court, you know? So I, I, I think they're going to have to play that lineup enough 
and kind of see what they get and see see what kind of scheme construction will help kind of en- enable that team that that lineup to kind of give them the ability to kind of come back down eight, 10, 12 points and things like that. I think it's something they're going to have to, they're going to have to try. Um, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes. I mean, he's Nate's been super hesitant to play DeAndre before this year, really hesitant to play DeAndre before this year. And, and I don't know if anyone's asked him directly what that's about. Is, is that like 98% of that rebounding issues, you know, or, is it just the fact that they're they don't have much size otherwise on the wing right now, especially with Bogey out? Bogey's a big wing, right? You know, and so it's, it's, I would guess it's some mix of those two things, plus maybe some things I'm not thinking of. But, um, but yeah, I think I think I think AJ is showing enough that it opens up some possibilities for lineups this year that I probably would have never expected were, would be a possibility this year. Credit to him. Credit to him for being reliable and things like that. And even as as, as tough as the Cleveland game went, the, kind of the coach in me is like, keep throwing him out there. Let him get those reps. Let him get that experience and learn. I think come February, March, that you get a lot of ROI from kind of giving him those opportunities, you know, now. And um, so I, I think that's that's worth it. It's not. I thought Jalen had a good offensive, really good offensive game against Cleveland. Um, and uh, and it's kind of same thing with him. It's like AJ, I think Jalen can give this team a lot. There are some games where he's just he might not be playable, you know, and that we've seen a couple of those in the last few weeks where he it just didn't work, and in the second half, he couldn't play. But I, I still think the default should be get him out in the first half, you know, and 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 give him those repetitions. Um, it's I mean, big picture, zoom out. As, it get, as the cap sheet gets harder in future seasons, having those two guys being viable is a big, big deal. You know, they need those guys, you know, to be rotational options going forward. And no, no doubt AJ will be there. Just, I hope Jalen keeps making strides and kind of sticks too. Anything else you want to throw out there? You looking forward to the Kings? Yeah. I mean, this one team. My. Uh, you know, just trying to get various family members to the right places in the next few days. We're doing our Thanksgiving on Wednesday. So uh, we're going to start really early because I, I don't want to miss that one. So we're doing like a one o'clock Wednesday Thanksgiving so mm-hmm. that I, I can make it to the the Kings uh, Hawks game and then see see Kevin Herter back, back in State Farm Marina. Yeah, that'll be I know, I know Hawks. I mean, there's been nonstop chatter from Hawks fans on Twitter about like, oh, we could really use him. And, and, and that's you and I fair. Totally. <laughs> you, you, when they made the trade, you and I were like, uh, I don't really like the process here. You know, like how they kind of got to this, you know, yeah. uh, and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'll be 50 50 to watch it live. I, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, seeing my daughter, and it, it's it, she's my priority. So if I may not catch it till later tomorrow night, but I'll, I would definitely, you know, put my kind of analysis out there and whatever volume I can, but I'll, I'll say this though. Hawks sixth in points in the paint. Kings give up second most points in the paint. Sabonis is a really, really gifted offensive big man. He has no rim protection <laughs> at all. And so like, this should be a game where Anyaka and Clint eat the whole game. And, uh, and if that, if they can, they should be able to set their defense off enough, hopefully, even though the Kings have been so good on off. I mean, I think right. the best they're number one in offense, I think now. Right. But making shots, getting shots at the rim, making shots, setting your defense, hopefully will kind of be a recipe that kind of gives gives the Hawks a good chance to win to win that game. But I, I think it's gonna be a fun game. And I'm just looking forward to a fun game. Yeah, those the the, the 
that was basically the two thoughts that I have is basically that, you know, exactly what you said about Sabonis, like spot on. And that, you know, being productive in the paint is absolutely crucial because, you know, the, the Hawks can't have a repeat of, you know, what they did against Boston. Like the, this, this, this feels like that game to me, you, you know, you've got a team that's an elite offense with some, some great shooters and uh, they're going to have to be a little more attentive to make sure that, that a repeat of that game doesn't happen like that. That was sort of an absurd shooting performance from Boston, but you know, the, the Kings over the course of the season had an even better offense than what, what Boston has had. So it's. Yeah. Got to gotta close out, got to close yeah. out. And even if it's a single dribble relocation, the, the odds of that shot going in and go down as compared to a catch to shoot. So even if you're, even if you're just impacting a, a relocation, then that's what they got to do on that end of the court to, to kind, of, kind of make this all work. So. Look, look forward to it, even if I can't watch it live. Can't wait to kind of take that game in. All right. Well, thanks for joining, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Have a good night. Any, anybody who's listening out there while they're traveling to Thanksgiving destinations, be safe, and uh, hope you get there safely, and hope you listen again soon. Well said.